And while that's going around, if you have a Bible tonight, I would encourage you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. This is new for me, working from this side of the room tonight. I'm going to see if I like it. I normally work from the other side of the room. And you know, you just kind of get set in your ways, and sometimes God just says, I'm going to shake you up. And feeling, standing right here, I feel like I'm being shaken up tonight. So, thank you, Lord. Father, you have got a word for us tonight. We live, in, we live in tumultuous times in the natural, but in the spirit and in the kingdom, things are very stable. And so thank you that you're helping us step into that stability tonight, Lord, that you have something to share with us that brings us to a place of stability in Jesus' name. Amen. So navigating the current political climate from a heart of grace. I don't know how many things I saw on Facebook over the summer and fall and up to November and then even since November that make me scratch my head and go, really? Really? And some of the most obnoxious posts were posted by Christians. I would expect, I would expect the unbeliever to post something and it wouldn't make my heart go, yeah, because that's, that's the, the the focal point where they're at. But we, we need to show them a better way. And when we're standing up there going, lock her up on inauguration day, as some people were doing yesterday, that's a problem. It's not the time, it's not the place, it's not the heart of grace. God has a justice system, and if it's his desire that someone faced justice in the natural realm, that's on him to perfect. It's not our job to stand up in front of the world when the world is watching the country and go lock her up. Or when, the, when President Obama was being introduced, people going Trump, 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 Trump. You know what? He's still president until 12.01 p.m. It's a problem. And when it's the Christians doing it, we have to ask ourselves, why do you think the world is mad at us? Because that's not the heart of love. That's eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, as we've been studying a lot about here. That's eating from the wisdom of man and not leading and eating from the tree of life. And so tonight I want to take us back to some basics. I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and the yellow words are the actual words. The white words are insertions. We were dead in our trespasses. Trespasses. Paratoma. To fall beside or near something. A lapse. A deviation from truth. And uprightness. A sin. A misdeed. And our sins. Harmatia. To be without a share in. To miss the mark. To err. To be mistaken to miss or wander from the path of uprightness and honor, to do something wrong, to ponder from the laws of God, to violate God's law and thought or deed, which we formerly walked in. Formerly walked in. According to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. See, we expect the unbeliever to walk this way because they're controlled by the spirit of the world. 
But the good news is Jesus has set us free from that. And he no longer looks at our behaviors. He looks at his, his person in us. And so when he looks at us, he sees himself because of what he's done at the cross. And we too lived past tense in the world and lived past tense in the lusts, the desire, craving, longing, desire of what is forbidden of our flesh, indulging in the desires of our flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Now, for those of you who've been here a while, you know that we believe that at the moment Jesus said it's finished, he said it was finished for all mankind. The sin problem was taken care of. What Adam released, Jesus restored and defeated. And so sin was defeated at the cross for all mankind. And Paul teaches that in Romans, and he teaches it in Galatians, and he teaches it in Ephesians and in Corinthians and First and Second Timothy. All through Paul's writings, that's what he teaches. And so it's not a sin problem anymore. It's an attitude problem, and it's a deception problem. For those who are still walking in the ways of the flesh, it's because they haven't been, the truth hasn't been revealed to them in a manner that they've understood it. It's been revealed in Jesus, but they haven't understood it yet. It's a perception problem. And we talk a lot in this, in this church about perception. You see, what your, your behaviors and your actions and your attitudes follow your perceptions. And when your perception is blinded to Jesus, then you're going to get bad behavior, bad choices. But Jesus doesn't condemn the people who are making bad decisions and bad choices because he's already defeated the underlying root cause. And so everything Jesus is doing is about wooing us into the Father's heart of love, as he did with many of you tonight during that worship set. He wooed you. He snuck up on you and said, hey, let's go deeper. Right? I see these, I've seen some heads shaking you. And you see, that's how he functions in the world, is he woos us. He calls us into the depth of the Father's heart, not concerned about our behaviors as his primary focal point because we know that when we grab hold of grace, our behavior effortlessly and naturally changes to conform to the image and likeness of Christ. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about vision and it's about seeing the one who has done it all, Jesus himself. But God, this is verse four, being rich in mercy. Everybody say mercy. Kindness, goodness, goodwill towards the miserable and the afflicted. Because of his great love, by grace you have been saved. With which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with him. You know, when you were, when you were dead to the spirit in a sense that you had no perception of God, he still loved you. And for those people who are out in our our country who are just raging in anger and frustration about the fact that Donald Trump is president, God is going, I still love them as much as I love the Trump supporters. He does not distinguish between a Trump supporter and an un-Trump supporter in his love. So why do we? He doesn't. And we shouldn't either. He has made us alive together with Christ and the goal of the Trinity is to make everybody alive together with Christ. 
Everything the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit does is to make us alive with Christ. And so when we stand up there and chastise those who don't follow our political persuasion, we are dishonoring that call. I, as I said earlier, I think yesterday changed some things in the, natu- in the natural realm because it released some things in the spiritual realm. But that does not give me a license to bash everybody that doesn't agree with that. Instead, it puts, it puts a responsibility on me to share love even more. How are they going to get to the truth if we're not loving them? Because it's the kindness of God, the love of God that draws them into his heart. It's not about you better get on board with Donald Trump or else. That's not going to bring him around. That's something we have, you know, I talk a lot about here. Our relationship with God has to be intentional. There is no autopilot relationship. That's not relationship if you just go into uh, cruise mode. Because you know what? God doesn't like cruise mode. And you know how, do you know how to get an airplane off of autopilot? Well, if it hits turbulence, it kicks the autopilot off. So guess what happens when you're going to autopilot? Oh, let's digress, sorry. Verse 6, And God raised us up with him, Christ, in the heavenly, heavenly being, existing in heaven, the heavenly regions, the heavenly temple or sanctuary, in heavenly places, in which by Christ, Christ Jesus, so that in the ages, ages being the unbroken age, the perpetuity of time, the eternity, the universe, the period, everybody say now. 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 So that so in Jesus Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surprising riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. Riches, wealth, abundance, eternal possession, plentitude. That's what he wants to show every single person in the world. That's why he puts people in power to exercise decisions from his heart so everybody can be blessed. So when we say it, you know, and, and I have to say when I was I was not planning to go here tonight. <laughs> I was not planning to go here tonight. Praise the Lord. But about 11.30 this morning, after I talked to Greg earlier in the morning and realized Greg wasn't going to be able to follow up with part two from last week, it's like God said, you know, you really need to address this. I'm going, but I don't want to. Because <laughs> that means I got to look at myself. <laughs> but I did. And, you know, he wants... Everybody, as Carol and I were talking last night, he pours his rain and his blessings on the just and the unjust. He does not distinguish between them. So why do we? You see, the heart of love says, I created you and I created them and I created them and I created them and I created you. And it goes, and I love you all. Even when you throw a tantrum, I love you. Even, even when you're worshiping me, I love you. You see, there's, there's no deviation in the intensity of his love. It's steadfast. It's intense constantly towards everyone. And his blessings flow to everyone. Now, some people catch them and some don't. And we, there are other reasons for that. 
but they're there. For by grace, the word charis, you've been saved, the word sozo, through faith, the word pistis, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. That's the beauty of all of this. God, through Jesus Christ and the faith of Jesus Christ, saved all of humanity. The only thing we have to do is believe. See, it's not about our behaviors. It's not about our choices. It's about do we believe. And so what is this charis? It's this goodwill, loving kindness, favor, that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, grace of speech, oops, thanks, recompense, reward. How many of us forget the grace of speech as we're driving down the highway and someone cuts us off? See this word grace. I mean, do you see anything in the Greek word charis that talks about negative behavior? No. God's focus is not on negative behavior. God knows that when you catch the heart of Jesus Christ, you catch the grace of what he's done, your heart will change. And you don't even have to work at it because he brings the change. But when we try to work at it and take control, then we have difficulty. You see, the best thing we can do is just open our arms up to him every day and say, Hi, Dad, I'm here. I'm here. And I know you're here. So let's party today. Let's play today. Let's have fun today. And as we're doing that, our hearts are changing. Sometimes imperceptibly slow, but then it's like, bam, it springs up. And what used to make us mad doesn't make us mad anymore. And the speech we used to use in certain situations goes away. And instead we go, oh, bless them, Lord. Ah, we're working on it. Saved. To save, to keep safe and sound. God's responsibility is to keep us safe and sound, not ours. To rescue us from danger or destruction to save one from injury or peril, to save in suffering. So if you're having a suffering time, it's his responsibility in his grace to come and rescue you. But if you want to put up a wall and go, I can do this, God, I've got it handled. He's going to go, okay, enjoy, enjoy the misery for a while. Call me when you're done. Tell me when your pity party's over and I'll be there from perishing from disease, to make well, to heal, to restore to health, to deliver from the penalties of the messianic judgment. The judgment of the old covenant has been fulfilled. We are not under the old covenant. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'll, I'll take that again. Thank you, Jesus. We sometimes, we have been trained to think we are, but the reality is we are not. And this whole ministry is about undoing the bad training and connecting with the authentic God. Faith, the conviction of truth, belief, trust, fidelity, faithfulness, belief with the predominant idea of trust, the character of one who can be relied upon. This is where this is our responsibility, not that we whip up faith, but that we believe. When God said it is finished, our response is, I believe. Jesus said, I've taken care of it. My response is, I accept it. I'm not going to argue with him. I'm not going to debate him. I'm not going to tell him why he's theologically incorrect. 
been a lot of people that have rewritten theology to tell Jesus he's wrong. Sorry. <laughs> well, but you see, our Father loves them. He does love them. And he's working on changing their theology, just as he's been changing ours. I'm not the same person I was five years ago. I'm not the same person I was three years ago. My beliefs have changed considerably in that time. So that takes us to 1 Timothy then. If we, in the context of, you see, if we understand Ephesians 2 and we come from a heart of grace, knowing that it's not about what we do, it's not about what others do, it's what God does and what he does through humanity to reach other members of the human race, then we can now take a look at this set of verses and, have a, and develop a better understanding. Because I have always struggled with this. I don't know about you guys, but in the last eight years, I had a hard time with these verses. Because all I could see was behavior. But see, that's one of the things that he talked to me about this morning. But Terry, it's not a bad behavior, even in the president. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings. Now, let me ask you this. Are kings all people? Are they included in that? And so why did you think he had to specifically reference them? Well, if we, if we lump them strictly in the group of all people, we're going to discount the authority that God's put on them. Okay? So Don is correct in the sense that he highlighted the fact that within this people group, there are people that he has given specific assignments called kings. And we're going to see what that means in a minute. And all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. There's a lot just in those three verses. We're going to break them down in a minute, but... He's telling us, Paul's telling us, there's something that we need to do, not from a must-do salvation perspective, but if we want to enjoy a quiet life, a godly, dignified life that's pleasing in the sight of our God, there's some things that we can do to stabilize or help partner with God in that. And one of that is pray for people. Now, I'm going to challenge you. What does the word pray mean? Talk to God. Ding, 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 ding. How about intercessions? Talk to God. Supplications. Talk to God. Thanksgivings. Talk to God. It all starts with, Hi, Dad. Let's go on. Who desires all people to be saved. Oh, gosh, didn't we just talk about that a minute ago? Paul's theme is God desires all people to be saved. And not just in this verse, but throughout his writings. God wants all to be saved, to be sozoed, to come to the saving knowledge. Because positionally, between them and God, everybody has been saved, but not everybody makes it to the kingdom of heaven because not everybody believes. He has made provision for all people. People have to accept the gift. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
For there is one God. Say one God. And if you want to know more, come to our Thursday night Trinity class right now. And there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for... Does that include Trump? Obama? Nancy Pelosi? Oh, some of you cringed. (laughs) God's going to stretch you. (laughs) George Soros? Yeah. And there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I... Paul was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am still telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Paul's message was the gospel of grace and it was for everyone. And he was specifically targeting the Gentiles. But when he went to new cities, he often first went to the congregation of the Jews, taught in the synagogue until they generally threw him out. Then he went and taught the Gentiles. So in these verses, Paul is urging, calling, summoning a group of people to act. What people group? Believers, unbelievers, Jews, Gentiles? All. We have this opportunity in this season to destroy the concept of division. Which means racism goes. You see, if we come to the understanding that Jesus has acted on behalf of all, and if we're not there, then we, we need to go to him and say, how come I'm not there? What have I missed in your, in, your, in your heart, Lord? What act is he calling them to? Supplications, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving. So what is supplication? Seeking, asking, entreating. It's not about gimme, gimme, gimme. My name is Jimmy. Hand it over, Lord. It's not about that. It's about seeking what's in his heart. Asking for what's in his heart. Entreating what's in his heart on behalf of others. What is prayer? Addressing God. But it's also worship. What we did tonight for the first 30 minutes was prayer. And it's not, again, it's not about a checklist. It's connecting with his heart and saying, God, what do you want me to talk to you about today? I mean, he certainly wants to know what you want to talk about, but he also wants you to know that he has some things to say too. What's intercession? Falling in with or coming together, a conference. You and God get to have a conference every time you go into intercession. See, we have this, we've been taught and we have this mindset that Intercession is, Lord, give them the everything they need. <laughs> it's nothing more than a conference call. Hey, Dad, Patty's hurting tonight because her mom died. Can you can you expand your level of comfort in her heart tonight? And I thank you that you're going to do that because you love her more than I can love her and I know you want her to be comforted tonight. That's intercession. It's not show and tell. Thanksgiving. 
the giving of thanks, an attitude of thankfulness. An attitude of thankfulness. How many of you want that? God, I thank you that it's not, it's not, God, I thank you that Obama's now out of the White House. I thank you that you picked him for those eight years because you had a purpose, and I may not know exactly what it was, but I know it's going to be part of what's unfolding today and tomorrow and the days after. See, because if you understand that God picks the leaders, and we may scratch our head and go, I wouldn't have picked that one. And 67 million people out there yesterday were going, I didn't pick that one either. But God did. God's got a plan. Do I trust him? Do I exercise that faith, that Greek word pistis, and go, God, I trust you? I don't get it. But then again, I'm not God. On whose behalf, he's calling, for all people. The word for means on behalf of. Isn't that interesting? God calls you to pray for someone. He's asking you to pray on behalf of them. I just thought, hmm, interesting. Some people don't even know what to ask God or pray to God for or how to get to God. But one of the things we're going to talk about a little later is, God, give them a bigger revelation of your heart of grace. I mean, it covers just about everything. Kings, the leader of people. See, it's not like back in the English kings or the French kings where they felt they were just because of birthright that they were the leaders. It's who God puts in as the leader of people. He gets to choose. And then he says, pray for them. Petition for them. Lift up for them. Worship on their behalf. And for all that are in high positions. And, you know, right now in our country, we're going through the transition of cabinet members and and department heads and, and all of these things. We don't even know all of their names, so how can I pray for them? God, every single person in a position of authority in government, show them the fullness of your grace. Because that includes life, deliverance, healing, wisdom, and more. For what reasons? So that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. And so that we may live in a godly and dignified way. How many of you think that if you're living in a godly and dignified way, you're going to have more people ask you about Jesus than if you're living a a really mean and nasty lifestyle of going, I cursed the president. Somebody assassinate him. That has been said the last few weeks by some reporters. Some even speculated what would have happened if Trump and Pence would have both been killed yesterday in a bomb at the same time. Even to the point of them saying, well, we think President Obama would have stayed on. It's not how it works. But that's the depravity of the deception. And so when we say, God, give them a greater revelation of grace, it also means take the veil off. Make sense? So what are we supposed to pray? That God wants all people to be saved, including kings and authority. So God, we thank you that you love every single person in a position of authority, that your grace was was released for them as well. By the faith of Jesus Christ, they have been redeemed. 
take the blinders off, Lord, so that they can believe. That God wants all people to know and express love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. That's 1 Timothy 1.5. See, a lot of what Paul talked about in chapter 2, he set up in chapter 1. But you see, God wants all people to know and express love. Thank you, thank you, Father, that you've put people in power that will tap into your heart of love. Give them a revelation of your heart of love so they can love the people they serve and not lord over them. That's a prayer of grace. It's not about, oh God, crush them until they repent. They don't need to. He's already done it. Let's give them a revelation of truth. That God uh, wants us to live a life, to live out of a sound doctrine, the gospel of the glory of the blessed God, which is the gospel of grace. Everything Paul taught was the gospel of grace. He, he, I'll say it, I'll say it in a way that you'll just kind of get the point. He vomited out the law. He did not like the law. He declared the law null and void by Jesus. And everywhere he went, he said, it's about grace. Recognizing that God has given strength by, by and through Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 1.12 Jesus, thank you that you're giving the leaders strength and that they're receiving that strength from you and that, you have, that they're getting a revelation of Jesus because their strength comes from Jesus. I think that's a much better way to pray. And I'm not giving you an exclusive or an exhaustive list. I'm trying to stimulate your heart to be open. God grants mercy to all who act ignorantly in unbelief. So Father, even when our, our leaders do something that, that is out of ignorance and out of a lack of understanding of your heart, we thank you that you grant them mercy and that you don't judge them. They have an earnest heart, Lord God. And I believe this president has an earnest heart to serve the people. God can work with that. Grace and love of Jesus Christ overflows in man. 1 Timothy 1.14 Oh God, thank you that you're using the leaders to pour out your grace and love. Even if they don't know it. Because they're going to make righteous decisions because of your love in them will overflow into the decisions they make. And Christ Jesus granted mercy to Paul so that he might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to, be, were to believe in him for eternity. Those still to come. Where there are still people out there to come. And so God has given the leaders, Paul was a leader, great mercy to perfect patience so that those who are to believe will catch a drift of Jesus. You are great leaders. He's already given you patience. It's already in you. So the next time you, you turn on CNN, and I don't recommend it, but if you turn on CNN and your blood pressure starts to go up, you can just say, I have perfect patience. And watch your blood pressure come down. Then I suggest you turn the channel. <laughs> And his divine power was granted to us, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. 2 Peter 1 3. 
Father, I thank you that Donald Trump has been granted everything he needs to pertain to life and godliness to lead this nation. I thank you that you've given the Congress everything they need that pertains to life and godliness to make godly decisions. And I thank you that we will see those decisions come pouring out in the days to come. That's the source of wisdom. It comes from God. I don't want my leaders eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I think for the last 30 years, our government has been doing that more and more. And God has raised up someone to say, we're done. We're not doing that anymore. How long the effects of that will last, I don't know. It's not for me to know. But I do know it changed yesterday. So if we want to see a sustained level of it, God is saying, pray grace-based prayers for our leaders. In 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1, 4, and 5, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. In other words, he said, I didn't come with wisdom from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Thank you, Father, that Donald Trump doesn't rest in the wisdom of men, because he's shown us, but he rests in your power and he exercises authority in your power. If the church starts praying grace-based prayers for our government, oh my gosh, we're going to see so many people set free. We'll see the manifestation of one of the greatest revivals and reformations in our history. But we got to get over fighting each other about how to pray. Suggestions for prayer: that our leader, that we pray that our leaders and any person we pray for would experience the fullness of the grace and mercy of God through Jesus Christ. That our leaders would know the love of God and, and be secure in that love. How many of you have come to a greater understanding of the love of God in the last couple of years? How much more secure do you feel? So if you feel secure in God's love, you're not going to be shifted by the wind of anger or the wind of accusation or the wind of this or the wind of that. You're going to be, I want my president to be, especially when he has control of the nuclear arsenal. Okay? To our leaders, so that our leaders would know the love of God. We just did that. That our leaders would understand that wisdom comes from God alone. And not from eating out of, the, out of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. If a leader eats from the tree of life, everything they do will be a release of life. And the, re, and the tree of life we know here is Jesus. That our leaders would seek God's wisdom in all things. Sometimes they get so wrapped up in the situation, they don't even have time to think about asking God. So we can go and say, God, prompt them to just ask a little bit of you. Especially in times of crisis, you know. I mean, I was, I was, uh, I was actually astounded to hear that, that yesterday morning, President Obama had released some of the military to bomb a couple of Al-Qaeda bases around the world. And I was kind of like shocked by that because it was like, where'd that come from? Because it's so out of character in one sense for him. And it's those kinds of decisions that our, our leaders weigh every day. So we want them 
to experience God's wisdom. Oh God, thank you that you've, in, in the heart of grace is the wisdom of God. Because Jesus is the spirit of wisdom according to Isaiah 11. Thank you that the spirit of wisdom flows into our leaders and that the choices they make are wisdom based from God, not wisdom based from men. Look at, look at what goes on in Washington. How many voices are out there pulling on our leaders all the time? They're called lobbyists. They use the almighty dollar. I want to use the almighty God as my reference point. That our leaders would know that the burden in the office is light and that the, the task is easy when relying on Jesus Christ. If, in fact, the yoke is easy and the burden is light for those who are in Christ Jesus, that's where I want my president. That's where I want the leaders in the Senate. That's where I want the leaders in the House. That's where I want the judges. I don't want them feeling the weightiness of the office because it will crush them. Now, I don't know about you. Have you ever contemplated what it would be like to have control of the nuclear arsenal? It's not something that is easy to do in the natural. I want my leader to rest in the strength of God in knowing that, all right, Lord, you've given me this responsibility. I'm not going to take it lightly, but I'm also not going to carry it as a burden. But isn't it interesting that every president that I've seen in my lifetime leaves office more gray than when they went in? It's because they're carrying the weight of it in their own strength. And if we can just encourage them to carry the weight of it in the strength of Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, they can just go, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? Okay, okay. And they function much better. So, my purpose tonight was to stimulate you, not to condemn, but to challenge you how am I going to look at my leaders in my country, in, my, in the ministries I'm involved in, in the state, in the county, whatever it might be, even at work? How do I look at those leaders and how do I pray for them? I challenge you to pray from a heart of grace. And as you begin to do that, I promise you, you will see things change right before your eyes. How can it not change? If believers who have been awakened to this message of grace in the last few years rise up and say, God, thank you for your grace pouring out into Washington and that the spirit of the living God is sharing the wisdom that comes from the grace of Jesus Christ and everything will be a godly decision, things have to start changing. Now, there may be some speed bumps because, you know, Every once in a while, we catch a person who cuts us off. And every once in a while, somebody in Washington gets a person who catches their ear. But you know what? God can take that person who's tickling their ear and move them away as we pray in grace. He doesn't have to hurt them. He just kind of nudges them over here. Amen? All right, Father, we thank you that you've given us a perspective tonight that we didn't come in with. And we thank you tonight, Lord, that you're going to unpack what this means for us, prompting our hearts at, at periodic times. Not that we have to get up at 5 a.m. every morning to pray for our leaders, but as you prompt our hearts, Lord, we will respond with prayers of grace. 
Even as we see one on TV, we can go, oh, God, thank you for them. And pour out a quick prayer of grace. It doesn't take long, Lord. It just takes a heart that wants to connect with you. And so we thank you for our leaders. We thank you, Lord God, that you are blessing them. You are leading them. Whether they know it or not, they are being led by you. And so we thank you that you, in your grace, you silence the negative voices around them so that they can clearly hear from you in Jesus' name. Father, for each one here tonight, I also declare life, health. I declare wisdom to manifest in greater levels. You are the chosen of God. You are the people of God. You are the blessed of God. You're the redeemed of God. You are his prize, possession, and joy. Don't go out of here tonight feeling heavy. If you do, come see me first before you leave. I'll pray it off of you. Thank you for being here. God loves you. I love you. And thank you so much. Thank you.